0: Okay, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Floss star No Love, a.k.a. Deep Done, a.k.a. to Rare Team, among other things. And um, I got another homie on the line, man. So, um, how about you introduce yourself? I'm super excited. Okay, so uh, my name is Joe. Um, I am a truth seeker,
1: human woman, daughter, mother therapist, blogger, womanist, breastfeeding enthusiast and lover of black children. Um, and So I'm just excited to be here with you, Flop Dog, and just looking forward to our conversation today.
0: What a spicy intro. Wow. Like, (laughs) so many hats you wear. That's amazing.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I think it's good to just kind of be able to uh, show up as who I am rather than allow people to kind of make their own uh make their own idea of who i am so i just like to kind of bring it forth from the
0: beginning it makes so much sense and it's it makes sense that it's specific too because like if i usually just say like i'm an artist or rapper and it's like so general like people can just fill in their own blanks when you give them the opportunity Mm -hmm. to so it's, it's very telling that you introduce yourself in such a way. Um, I was just thinking about when um, when I first met you. I think it was when you were at the you were the president of ABSA, the Association of Black Psychologists, mm-hmm. and I could just mm-hmm. tell like right away that you just have like kind of like a regal aura about you. You know what I'm saying and.
1: Mm-hmm. I you think was the second person to tell me
0: that. <laughs> it's a fact. It's a fact. I appreciate
1: that.
0: Like um especially like you can definitely tell in college too because it's not too many girls walking around with a regal aura about them. But um mm-hmm. but yeah, I could tell immediately like okay, this this girl's not taking shit. And it, it wasn't even like you were like a mean or intimidating kind of way, but it's just like <laughs> you were confident in who you were, and I knew that I couldn't tell you different. And it was a respect thing immediately, you know what I'm saying? Before we even ever had a conversation. So that's the kind of person that Joe is, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yes, I do appreciate
1: that. And I can say a lot about you, about your creativity, and about how you show up in a room, and um, like I told you before when we were preparing for this, that I love your voice. Um, And so I think it's cool that you have a podcast And um, I kind of watched you from afar um, Outside of, you know, our interactions in undergrad Just watching you while you were away in China and all of that So I thought that was pretty dope And I look forward to working with you
0: Yeah, I never, I've thought uh, Very recently about how people uh, perceive me you know, I've been thinking like, what mm. would I think if I met me at like any given time? Mm. And I, I don't know, I don't know the answer. So it's always very interesting when I hear people, how they perceive me, because usually it's, I'm like, really? So so could you go into that a little bit? Like how you said, um, like how how people feel me in a room? Um, so I
1: would say like, <clears throat> I remember you from undergrad, but I would say in undergrad, I just felt that you were like quiet. You came to me it's like just not a man of very, a man of very few words. And uh, I remember kind of getting our introductions were like with Sims and all of that. We didn't have very many um, men in our psychology department, but um, it was kind of like when you did speak, you had something to say. And so, um, I always thought that it was interesting, and then, I, I don't remember the event that it used to be, but it was, like, an open mic night type of thing at a and I remember you performing there, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> 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 it, caught, it caught me off guard, um, because I didn't really, I felt like I didn't really get to know much of your personality in undergrad, I felt like it was just kind of, like, business, you know, us doing, you know, ab and kind of being involved with that, but, um, seeing you and, like, your music and kind of being, uh, following one another on social media, I feel like I've been able to kind of, like, piece together, um,
0: who you are, and, uh, so that's been an interesting journey. Wow, that is, that's something, um, that's, I've definitely heard that, uh, you know, when I speak, it's usually something worth saying, um, I try to. Mm -hmm. It's not even a conscious thing. It's just like, why would I say anything if it's not contributing? You know, that's. I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm. I'm. Sometimes I think I'm too literal, man. Uh, Really, and we're we're gonna be talking about media a lot, and that kind of leads me into uh, what I was just thinking about because um, the media uh, talks so much about uh, mental health these days, and. It, it's it's kind of like watching those uh, prescription drug commercials, where it's like, do you have this and this and this? And it's like, so open-ended, where it's like, is that me? Like, that's how I feel whenever <laughs> I'm watching, like, people talk about mental health and stuff. And it's like, it's like, wait a minute, like, do I need to have a conversation with somebody? Like, what's going on? Is it real? Like... I don't know, man. I feel like mm-hmm. mental health has been such a hot topic for, like, the past year and a half, and it really hasn't mm-hmm. been. And um, that's another reason why I wanted to get you on the show, because um, because of your psychology background and, like, you're still actively involved in the community. And um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see, like, if you notice that in the media and on TV and, like, what are your thoughts on it? Oh,
1: uh, so, yeah, I think that we are getting a surge of kind of being innovative with a lot of information. I think just with the technology age that we're in we have access to a lot of things and um, and so we see kind of many facets of mental health being played out in the media whether it's you know uh, when we're having a lot of these uh, white men that are uh, perpetrators of violence, you know, in various ways, you know, once they're caught, you know, it's, oh, he had a mental illness, and, you know, these different things, and it kind of um, stigmatizes a a great amount of people that do suffer with mental illness, because those are not the same. Um, And so, uh, well, we know that people with mental illness are a lot more likely to harm themselves than to harm anyone else. Um, also, the good part about it being in the media is that it's, um, in a way, kind of teaching us and showing us what it looks like. Um, and so, mental mental health or mental illness or uh, mental health challenges has always kind of been around, but it's about how it's being um, how it's being shown, and we kind of have a name for it now, as opposed to saying, "Oh, that's crazy, Uncle Joe. You know, he has issues. Whatever. You know." Now we know that okay, Uncle Joe might have, um, you know, might have schizophrenia, or you know, may have challenges with um, substance abuse, things like that. We're also seeing a lot of um, a lot of coverage on you know the the heroin epidemic and and who that's impacting and different things like that. So um, I do appreciate though, when I see uh, therapists on TV. Um, and so I'm not talking about your doctor skills and things like that. And I don't even think he really has a background in uh, mental health, but I'm referring to um, some of the shows that we're watching. It's helping normalize it, uh, getting help. And so, um, so now, mommy's recording. Go back to watching TV.
0: Shout out to Young Sina.
1: Okay, but you, you said you wanted to watch Bubble Guppies. so go watch Bubble Guppies, please. Yeah go
0: close the
1: door shout out to the bgs it's not scary no, no. <laughs> it's go close the door i'm sorry y'all close the door we had an entire talk about me doing this and <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry about that but uh, like i said i, I appreciate that um that tv is now normalized as speaking help so we're seeing um uh, like insecure where um a character molly was going to uh, going to a therapist and you see even back in the 90s i remember uh, watching a different world and debbie allen was um, was whitley Gil- gilbert's um, therapist
0: and she talked about relaxed late relief and so that's something that was like super iconic so I hope that answers your question. That was a lot. <laughs> well that, I mean we're gonna we're definitely gonna dive into it we're definitely not just scratching the mm-hmm. surface here but um, because I really I guess I want to hear your perspective because especially when it comes to the black community and mental health like I think I fall into the category even though I'm not an old man by far, but of being of the old school where it's like, hey, that's a little too much. Like, you know, like, I think especially because people are talking about it so much, I think it's starting to be commercialized to a point where it's getting hard to believe people because it's so common and so normalized. Like, I'm so tired of hearing people say they're quote unquote triggered when it's real people out there with real conditions and things really trigger them. Like, you know, I feel like that shouldn't be like a casual phrase because it's a serious problem. Mm-hmm. And like another thing yeah. that kind of gets me is when I, the the whole craze, I haven't seen it as much lately, but definitely in the past couple years, the, uh, what is it, the animals? What do you call the animals that people have? Goping animals or something like that.
1: What is Uh, it? Oh, service dogs or service animals.
0: Yeah, like, when when people start getting peacocks and ferrets to do that, it's like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Like, is it just me? Like, am I overreacting to that? Is that an old school black thing? What is that? Uh, so it that's
1: hard to answer uh, so you talked about a few things, um, so I, I wanted to, I guess, go back to what you originally stated about um, kind of it being becoming mental health or seeking help is becoming um, so commercialized and all of that, and so um, I definitely agree with you on that part because, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword, I guess, if I'm using that right phrasing, but it's like on one hand, we have where we're you know, becoming more educated and things like that. And then on the other side, we have um, where uh, the idea of uh, mental health challenges um, are often being overused. And I think when we see that, it's usually by people, it's by lay people, not by the professionals in the field, it's by people that, you know, Got their degree from Dr. Google, you know, from the school of Google or, you know, school web and Yeah. Um, and so it um, was so really, I would say, different to my skin when people are like, oh, she's bipolar or, oh, she's this or, oh, she's that. And it's just like, were they diagnosed with that? Or are you just saying that because you know a couple of the characteristics that, um, that are. There are the criteria that's needed for um, bipolar disorder. And so we have a lot of people that are like self-diagnosing or diagnosing other people but don't have that educational background to do so. And diagnosing people can be a challenge because we're multifaceted and we have all of these, you know, different challenges and history and all of that. So that's like a practice. And so um, I would say it's really me when I do see that. And as for the cervix dogs, um, I think that they can be useful um, and that they can help people with um, living a quote-unquote normal life. Um, And so I think it does make the rest of us kind of uncomfortable. And I think there are some, like, cultural things wrapped in there, like you talked about. Um, And so, for example, I've gone to restaurants and I've seen dogs, like, Eating or not eating, but they are like next to their dog owner um, at the bar or, wow. you know, different things like that. So for me, I've had to like check myself with that to say, okay, you know, this person probably needs this dog for a reason, um, you know, which is not my business. But culturally speaking, I'm like, oh, uh, what if some in my food or, you know, it's, it's to me in my mind is like,
0: Like, nobody wants to eat around dogs. Like, that's ridiculous. (laughs)
1: Like. (laughs) Yeah, so culturally, I've had to, like, check myself to say, okay, like, I will live, like, if the dog isn't hurting me. But it is kind of a mind shift where, uh, because I also have this thing about potlucks and not really enjoying potlucks much um, because I just picture Fluffy just stirring the batter of whatever it is that you're making. So... Yeah, so yeah. I think it is a cultural thing <laughs> when it comes to the service dogs. But I'm sure that there are some black folks, usually I see white folks that are, you know, uh, utilizing service
0: dogs, but... Um, but, like, it's like they have dogs. lizards and ferrets and peacocks and chickens. Like, it gets ridiculous, man. And it makes me sound insensitive. Yeah, I that. Yeah, it's not it's, it's, it's extreme. And then they're like, no, I can't ride the plane without my lizard in my hand. Like, what? Uh, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. I just want the people who actually need help to be heard and not drowned out by all the other BSers out there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think that's with anything, that, uh, but I, I still think that it serves a purpose with it being uh, normalized, and I, I actually think that most people should, you know, seek therapy at some point in their lives. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that, um, I mean, well, that's a whole other thing with, like, insurance and things like that, but if it's a private pay, um, you don't have to be diagnosed or anything like that, but um with insurance you do have to um usually receive some type of diagnosis like when you go to the doctor and you're seeing they provide you a diagnosis for your, your visit um so there's a lot of things there but um i think with mental health it can definitely assist with um you know transitions with uh, grief with um having trouble making decisions, relationships, so I mean it's it's a lot of different things that therapy can help you out with and I don't think it's a one-size-fit-all thing. There's there's different types of therapists, there's um, different types of um, theoretical approaches and like I said it's not a one-size-fit-all. I don't think everybody would benefit from therapy Um, but there's different forms of healing. But I think it can um, assist people
0: with a lot of things. And, um, yeah, I guess about that. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, I think it's a lot scarier now because of technology, because like you said, people can just go to WebMD or Google or if they see their friend talking about it or They make a Facebook comment and their friend says, well, you know, I heard, I saw this article about, like, it's really dangerous, like mentally right now in the world. I think it's more dangerous now than ever.
1: I can see that.
0: It's like, because it's like so many talking heads and like it could just drive a person crazy like not to mention the news being like psychological warfare that people watch every day at 5 and 11 o'clock at night like it's a dangerous time mentally yeah
1: and it's um very important for us to protect ourselves from um you know various stimuli that we're coming in contact with so uh You know, I take social media hiatuses um, and even during, I think the longest time I've been away from social media was like five or six months. Uh, And I just, I also have some boundaries set in place now because I, after taking that break, I had to understand that um, I couldn't run away from it forever because it is something that we use to connect with a lot of different people and I think social media can be great. Um, But I think it's important for us to, um, you know, I, I don't watch the news generally. You know, if I'm a, at my parents' house and they're watching it, then, you know, that's probably the most that I would tune in and actually see what's going on um, in that respect. Um, but I stopped watching it a long time ago when I was in St. Louis and just seeing who's on the news, what's being, um, you know, the propaganda and what they're trying to say, uh, usually about black people and people of color.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, and so, after a while, I had to kind of shut that down. And then also with social media. Now, when it comes to maintaining my mental health, I don't check in with social media first thing when I wake up. I usually don't check into social media until around noon. Mm. So I start my day off, you know, I set the tone for my day and I don't become, you know, overwhelmed with the thoughts of others and the experiences of others and whatever else. Because there's a lot of people on social media that I would say that, you know, need a therapist. And uh, you can see
0: that from the things that they're posting and, and the ways in which they're engaging with other people. So that's always um, good to keep in mind. Definitely. Like, I I watched this, because uh, I only usually watch the news, like, in passing. So I saw the most racist, not the most racist thing, but it was kind of absurdly, blatantly racist that it just wrote me all the wrong way, where they were doing... Um, mm-hmm. They, they were, like, really teasing this restaurant got such a bad score because of rodents or uh, critters. They said critters in their food coming up next. So I'm like, oh, man. So, of course, it's, like, a black-owned restaurant. Like, they're, they're saying all the bad things. They, like, it failed the inspection. They found rats and roaches inside and so they're interviewing the guy he's like yeah the rats are coming from outside this is an old building we're getting it fixed now you know hopefully by the time we get everything together yada yada yada." like he's being positive about it but then they flip it and they're like meanwhile this restaurant got a perfect score of course it's this all-white restaurant oh. in the white side of atlanta ran by these old white people. Only white people work there. Only white customers are being shown. And it's like a sandwich shop. And they're like, oh. And the guy, the, the interviewer guy is like eating. He's like, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> I'm like, fuck this shit. Because like, basically they were saying like (laughs) black is dirty white is perfect literally they were saying that shit i'm like man this is why i can't watch the news this is blatantly racist and people think atlanta is like the black capital of the country but our news is extremely racist and like it's ridiculous yeah that's good
1: definitely is a national or international issue and, I mean, and it just goes back to who owns the media and who is in charge of the things, the images that we're taking in. And so um, that's something that I really attempt to be very uh, diligent about, just making sure that the things that I'm watching are the things that I want to enjoy um, as opposed to the things that people are kind of feeding us. And I think... Um, I think our site department is very unique. I think um, that HBCU experience was very, um, I think just in general, the HBCU experience is very unique. Um, and I think just the people that we were surrounded by and the, uh, the information that we um, had access to and the conversations that we engaged in kind of has led us to the way that we, the way, you know, it's it, kind of changed our world view as far as, um, you know, how we kind of pick up on some of these things that are happening around us because I think those that did not have that experience view it in a different way and may not understand the impact of media and the way that it is very anti-Black and, um, you know, some other things, you know, how it, you know, impacts our mental health and, you know, rather than... um, us using it as a tool it's us
0: using us you know so yeah definitely um it's like they if they don't have their experience it's like they kind of have a blind spot to it and that's why i end up having like conversations and parties talking about stuff that people don't think about who didn't go to HBCUs. because i'm like it's right in front of your face and they're like what what are you talking about it, it's like they literally have a blind spot
1: Yeah, and I've also noticed that, I can't think of the name of the show, but it's on the the OWN Network. Um, But it's like a show, uh, the host is a black man, and then the people that actually show up to the show are like black women. And they have these different conversations, whether it's about, you know, natural hair and all these other things. And so for me, I'm like, why are we having this conversation now? Isn't that like an old topic? But... (laughs) But at the same time, it's good because those that did not have that conversation, those that maybe did not, you know, attend HBCUs and, you know, and that that was a norm, you know, it's good for people to have that conversation. So even though it's something that maybe I've known for a long time, it might not be something that someone else has known for a long time. And it's it's another way for them to kind of get the access to maybe those same conversations that we talked about a little while ago. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm so grateful for our experience and, um, I just kind of use, um, these conversations as an opportunity to share the knowledge that we
0: gained and that, that, that time of Yeah, definitely. Shout out to North Carolina A&T, shout out to the site department. Definitely had some yeah. fantastic conversations, like really, really top level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like going back to um, like the whole media thing um, we were talking before when we uh, were on the phone about the 90s representation of black people compared to now and it's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to to tackle that but um I guess in general, do you think it's more or less representative and realistic now compared to back then?
1: Um, I think that's hard to answer. I think I would say that I, I felt like in my heart that the 90s were great. You know, I was born late '80s, but definitely a majority of my childhood was during the '90s. So this could be biased, but I just think that it was just a great time for just music, for uh, TV shows, as well as um, black movies. I just felt like that was like a another renaissance period where we were seeing a lot of just good work by black people. Um, You know, where we hadn't, really, and it was stuff of quality and it wasn't, you know, like the black exploitation or of the um, of the 70s. Um, I can't really speak for a lot of the 80s stuff because I didn't really follow those things but as far as um, as far as the, the 90s go, I, um, I will forever be a fan of the work of the 90s and then I would say maybe like the 2010s like the current decade that we're in i feel like there's been like another shift um, just with our music and our uh, once again our music our um uh, our uh, in general the tv shows and movies as well um, what we're seeing you know insecure and clean sugar and uh I mean, the list goes on and I'm looking forward to seeing Clean and Swim and I'm looking forward to seeing um, the love movie with Issa Rae and I can't remember the guy's name, he's gonna be
0: uh, Lakeith um, Stanfield her
1: lover yes, 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 yes um, oh, APL, I can't, how did I forget about that show? so we, we're seeing a lot of black art in this um, as you know, I'm not the biggest Kyle Perry fan, but He's put a lot of black people on.
0: Yeah, it's hard and to deny him, man. A lot like, of black <laughs> it
1: is. And so, just seeing his massive studio in Atlanta. So, I mean, we're seeing the work over DuVernay. Like, she's putting out a lot of stuff. Lena Waite, huge fan of hers. Um, the Shy. So, I mean, when I just think about, I, I think there's a lot of parallels between our current decade and the 90s. I can't really
0: speak for the, you know, 2000 through 2010, it was a little shaky. But 2010 through now and the 90s definitely has been my phase. Yeah, and like to fill in the gap for the 80s, because like I am I really follow comedy a lot, so I could speak from that perspective generally, like from mm. the TV sitcoms and the movies that were like in the 70s and 80s, mostly it was like a white movie featuring black people or like a white TV show featuring black people like your Different Strokes and your Webster and your, uh, even Eddie Murphy, like SNL was like a white show, but he was the star. And then when he went to do his own movies, it was like Beverly Hills. It was a white movie with Eddie Murphy in it. Um, Changing Places, a white movie with Eddie Murphy in it. But then when we got to the nineties, even with the music Mm -hmm. and the TV shows and everything, that's when we started, like, creating our own worlds and, like, had the liberty and the independence to build. uh, I think Coming to America was, like, 89, so that was, like, right at the front of it. And then you had your, uh, you know, your your hood movies, but it was still, like, a black world. Like, Your Boys in the Hood, Your Menace to Society. Like, it wasn't their movie telling... Featuring us, it was like our movie with black directors, black writers, black stars, and and TV, and and even going into music, like we started seeing more people owning their own thing, and it didn't have to be under anyone else. You had your Master P and your Bad Boy, um, Jay Z. So we started owning our thing. So, like, that, that's another part that made the 90s really dope is because, like, we actually had the room to build our own worlds. Like, so many of my favorite shows yeah. rarely had white people in them. Like, uh, I agree. <laughs> so many, like the Fresh Prince show, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Jamie Foxx show, Living Single, uh, Martin, like. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't about white people, and I loved that. Like, it was yeah, representative. It was,
1: it was for us and by us.
0: Exactly. And then I think, it like, <laughs> it, I think in the 2000s, that's when we kind of got a little OD with it. Like, we were still doing our own thing, but it, was, it became so out of touch with what was really going on just because it was so much money like being made from the culture in the 2000s like so it wasn't really about quality anymore at that point like that's why you got brush hour 2 and 3 and Friday after next and next Friday like that's that era where like yeah we're just doing shit to get money now like it's not really we're not making classics like I can't think of I would have to like look up and see like what black classics came out of the 2000s like maybe everybody hates Mm -hmm. Chris was dope And that was like pre 2010s, I think. And it was super different. Yeah, it was like super (laughs) different. Like, it wasn't a show like that. It was basically, it was kind of like, if I had to compare it, it was like a black Malcolm in the middle, except it was like actually realistic. Mm -hmm. Like, it was based on a real guy in a real place. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, um, that was like one that kind of stuck out from the era. But like, a lot of other stuff was kind of cheesy. Like, even when you think about music, like, Nelly was, like, one of the biggest stars. And he's in nobody's top five.
1: He's a hometown
0: hero. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I mean, he was the man. He was the man, but he's in nobody's top five. But he owned the 2000s. Same thing with Lil Jon. He from Atlanta. He had hits. He ran the 2000s. He's in nobody's top five. Yeah, now five. he's
1: like King of Zumba.
0: He's you know, now
1: like
0: a King of Zumba now. They love him. <laughs> and and, and uh, Jimmy John's sandwich commercials. Like, that that hurt my soul. I'm like, come on, little John. You ain't have to do that. Like, I hope you're getting multiple millions for that. Because it's like, bro. And, and it goes to show you, like, the 2000s was that culture. It was like a sellout kind of, you know, like, it wasn't about quality. It was about the money. I think in that era, but then 2010s mm-hmm. came, and like when Obama got in office, like we kind of got like a, a reset button, like you know, re-energized to to do dope mm-hmm. shit. And then with mm-hmm. Trump, we we we're we are fighting to do dope shit. Like we have to do dope shit now because of Trump. Like yeah. we can't be whack now. Like we have to be dope for us to survive this. shit. I agree.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to kind of, like, circle back to, like, some of the 90s uh, TV shows that we were kind of, like, struggling to get out. <laughs> and so, uh, of course, we had the Cosby show, and even though the Cosby show came along, like, in the late, I mean, in the 80s, Um, but it was still one of the longest running shows in history. And so, um, you know, even though Bill Cosby is a horrible person, we still have the show that was awesome for that time and also was responsible for showing a, um, a different side of blackness and it showed like an upper class black family as opposed to, um, some of the ones of the past that kind of. Showed a lot of um, poverty and struggle and things like that. I feel like um, you're kinda throwing shade
0: on good times right now. So let's pump the bricks because I'm a good times kid. I love
1: good times. <laughs> good times, that's I love good
0: times. I, I always say you can tell a lot about a black person if you ask them good times or Cosby show. I learned that like my freshman year at AT. I'm good times. I, I was like one of the only ones in the classroom like we asked the class and I was like one of the only ones like good times like Cosby show that that wasn't me like that wasn't representative for me like I was like the only one in there saying so, that yeah and I agree I prefer good times over the
1: Cosby show the Cosby show is super cheesy to me now granted good times can be cheesy as well but I felt like that was a good depiction of. Um, of of the Black experience during that time, but there are still some Black folks that did not experience that. You know, there are Black folks that did not experience living in the projects and things like that. So, you know, what I don't want to say is that it was something wrong with the good uh, good times. But I am saying that that does not necessarily represent the entire um, spectrum of Blackness.
0: Yeah, it was, I definitely um, agree with that.
1: yeah so um, so that's not what i'm saying i am not the biggest cosby show person but i i would be remiss to not mention that they showed a different form of blackness than what had been you know displayed on television at that
0: time yeah and they did it in a classy so, way i'll give them that like because yeah. the jeffersons were rich but like he just owned the cleaners and you know and he was an asshole. like he didn't make it look cool to be a rich black person but like at least cosby kind of made it seem more normal so i'll i'll give them that i'll give them that
1: yeah and and they push towards um normalizing you know education and things like that amongst black folks um and you know i did research on the cosby show when i was in undergrad um, and so that was an interesting experience to show like even though um the Cosby show was this this show that featured black people and this black family and all of that there was still some cultural pieces that that were missing from the Cosby show Mm. Um, so that was interesting that's Um, funny
0: because I actually did a paper on good times (laughs) in undergrad
1: yeah I've watched like most of the Cosby episodes just because I did that research Mm. and we talked about like the racial identity features that were kind of missing from the Cosby Show, so even though it was like this black
0: show with black people. Oh yeah, I think I remember like you working on that. Of, yeah, so it was
1: just kind of the concept of, you know, you could switch out the Cosby Show with a black, with a white family, and the show still would have been kind of the same. Yeah, they, they had those talk, shows already. Like,
0: uh, I don't know the fucking names. Of, uh, fact, not facts of life, Growing Pains and shit. Like, they had plenty of those shows.
1: Mm-hmm yeah and so um so yeah so I, I definitely have my critique with the cosby show um and they did have some cultural pieces but it was a lot of stuff that they kind of missed out on but i do think that they kind of made it up with the spin-off of a different work so i wanted to get to that um a different world uh, it is one of my favorite shows I would say um definitely within my top five um just from the HBCU experience and just the relev- relevancy of a lot of the topics that they covered whether it was you know talking about the apartheid or talking about um uh, black artists and things like that of the past or was uh, talking about HIV so it was a very relevant show and it's feel relevant today with um, with a lot of the topics
0: that they covered. Yeah, definitely. I definitely prefer that over the Cosby show. My only gripe with a different world is like the the later seasons where like they spent so much time talking about Whitley and Dwayne Wayne. Like I would have rather them just kept focusing on Jada Pinkett them like more than Whitley because I didn't really ever like Whitley. Like she never did anything for me.
1: She grew on me as the years went on, but um, I mean, there's definitely some some tops there um, that could be surrounded around like colorism and whatever else is why um, she kind of became like that main focus, just like Denise was originally that main focus of that show to kind of combine the Cosby show with with a different world. Yeah, I much rather would have preferred
0: that. that. But um, they, I, I just uh, like watched a video about that. They said that basically the, the reason why that show happened was because like, uh, Lisa Monet, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. Because she didn't want to be on the Cosby show anymore. Like she wanted to do her own thing. And it was kind of like a punishment from Bill Cosby. Cause like, she wasn't really conforming to what he wanted. Like, I don't know if it was like personally or professionally or whatever. But he kind of like, you know, pushed her off and like, they kind of had to come to terms to, for her to come back, because she ended up coming back on the show for some reason. And it's like, I would have rather like, see her, but like, that was like a whole other personal thing. And I think that's like another one of those Bill Cosby things that like, that other side of him, you know, but, um, but I feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity because, you know, I feel like if he didn't if he wasn't so uppity they could have definitely done a reboot or like a movie or something of a different world like i think people would want to see that and it would be pretty relevant right now Mm -hmm. but um i don't know i feel like that kind of old bill cosby is different from 80s bill cosby yeah that was like come on black people we need to uplift ourselves new
1: education and you know we don't need to shut and jive and we don't need to do all these things like he was very much he, you know a lot of Bill's things were actually anti-black as much as he wanted to you know uplift us and whatever else it was kind of like he talked very poorly of um of, of especially like blacks that were uh, never considered low SES. Uh-huh.
0: So, yeah, he definitely talked shit, like, about a lot of black comedians. Like, there's so many stories of, like, comedians saying, yeah, Bill Cosby called me and said, don't do this, don't do that. Like, even Eddie Murphy. Like, he called Eddie Murphy and said, don't do that. I'm like, what? Like, you can't
1: be... Yes, if because he didn't cuss on, on shows and all this other stuff because he was, like, a good black. Like, he represented something that he wanted the rest of us to represent.
0: And then, and then he started spiking drinks, yeah. but that's a whole other story. So, let's move on. Oh, Billy Boy. <laughs> said, let's move on. Oh, Billy Boy. But
1: um, there was also
0: Moesha. Moesha was good. That's another one of those shows that like kind of towards the end kind of tailed out for me because the beginning seasons were dope and relevant and realistic. Mm-hmm. But then once she went to college, Mm -hmm. like, it got cartoony. And then once Ray J came on there, it was like, "Ah." (laughs) eh. Keenan and
1: Kale?
0: Keenan and Kale was dope. It was was definitely dope for a Nickelodeon show. Like, I think they did as much as they could for them to be on Nickelodeon. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah,
1: sister, sister.
0: Now, I just why. found out that they were biracial. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I,
1: in the show they, it turned out that they were biracial but I didn't know that in reality they were, you know, I realized they were biracial until uh, many years later. So yeah, their father is white
0: and their mother is black. Yeah, I had no idea. But that was one of those we had a lot of, uh, I guess if it was music, it would be pop. Like we had like a lot of pop equivalent uh, sitcoms in the 90s too. Like, cause we could do whatever we want. Like we had a huge creative outlet. Like it was shows on every network. It was movies starring people that weren't A-list people. Like it wasn't the same black people starring in movies all the time, which was dope. Mm -hmm. Like we had a lot of freedom to do shit, man. Like that was definitely like the most flexible time. In, in media history, man, because like we really had our own things. Like they had friends, we had living single. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and that was okay. <laughs> you know, they had SNL, we had in living color. Like, mm-hmm. and that was okay. And, and then politics, man, like they don't ever want us to keep our own thing going, man. That's the unfortunate part. And like, I feel like it's really hard to go back to that time because um, it's everybody's just kind of afraid now. We live in like a a culture of fear now, from being politically correct about everything and uh, cancel culture. Like, it's really hard to push the limits, like how they pushed the limits in the '90s with. The Arsenio Hall show and In Living Color, like, and even before that, like, they were pushing boundaries with, uh, what's that show? Uh, All in the Family, like, where the Jefferson mm-hmm. Show came from. Like, they were, like, taking it there. And I feel like the closest right. equivalent we have now maybe might be Blackish. And, like, that's on ABC. And it's crazy, because it's like, that's as safe as you can be. And, like, that's like the equivalent of that today. I think, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. You can, if it's something else out there, you can let me know. But like, that's the only kind of show that I know of that kind of gives you that feel where it's like, okay, they're at, they tell you before the show starts, like, or after the show, like, yeah, we want to talk about this thing, like, because it's relevant, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's a real okay. 80s, 90s kind of thing that people don't do anymore. So is anybody else doing that?
1: Uh, I think so. I think with uh, Queen Sugar, you're definitely seeing a lot of things being um, kind of thrown at you. It's a show that takes place in Louisiana, and it's, um, a lot of things like it's very relevant with uh, the new, not the new, yeah with the Me Too movement, with uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, I think you would actually love Queen Sugar. Um, black folks owning land um and just how um a white family is basically doing everything in their power to kind of like take the land from black farmers and things like that um so yeah it's a lot going on in that show politically and just our familial ties and different things like that so clean sugar is definitely uh, one of my favorite shows it's currently on a season break but uh i i love it and uh
0: is it uh, streaming or on a network?
1: It's on OWN.
0: Mm.
1: It's on the OWN network. Mm-hmm. It's on the OWN network. Oh, Blackish. Um, so I said that I was going to go back and watch Blackish because that first season was a flop for me. Um, and I couldn't really get into it and I couldn't really uh, see past some of the, the nuances that were a little shaky for me. Um, it was just to me the, the vibe of the first season was kind of like now that we have money it's not okay to be black like mm. it's not okay to like bring black culture with her mm.
2: um, and
1: yeah, I so, can see that um, I have a and so a couple of the episodes like threw me off and I was just like yeah I'm done um, but one of the episodes it was um, the I think it was the older boy I can't remember I don't know the character's name but, so I'm very well but the older boy he um was I think turning 13 and he uh had like this Jewish friend and he really wanted like a bar mitzvah and so his dad was like no we don't do bar mitzvahs different things like that and he was like no I'm gonna give you your own life to and so they were standing in the backyard and he didn't know anything of what he was doing he didn't like Contact anybody in the community or anything like that. He took it upon himself to give him this rite of passage that was complete bullshit. But he gave him this rite of passage, and as part of the rite of passage, he threw like dirt at the boy's face. And actually, this felt to me very mocking. Mm. As
0: a wow. Um,
1: and then there was another episode. Uh, there was another episode where uh, it was they were talking about, it was Lawrence Fishburne was in this episode, and the dad and the son, um, they're basically teaching the son to acknowledge his people when he walks by them, and so it's something almost that we don't even talk about, but it's innate um, that, you know, when you walk past your people, black people, you acknowledge them, that's a That's a worldwide thing, allowed. by
0: the way. That's all over the world, like, even in China, like, yeah, it's a bunch of Africans over there, and They know I'm not African, and I know they're not African-American, but no matter what it is, we gotta do the nod. Yeah, and so in the episode, the
1: little boy wasn't doing the nod, and they were like, uh, (laughs) something's wrong here. And so they were like trying to teach him that and all of that, and by the end of the episode, because the little boy was like a nerd... Uh, by the end of the episode, um, he he did a nod to somebody, but it wasn't a black person. It was to a fellow nerd, and <laughs> so
0: they were like, "Oh, well, you know, things are different, and all that." And uh, I'm like, no, this is not okay. <laughs> that's bullshit. And like, it so, made me. Uh, I kind of remembered that um, it's it's kind of messed up. Like, if you're thinking that they're mocking black culture, because another one of their longest-running shows that came out around the same time. Is fresh off the boat and like a main premise of that is the boy from Taiwan who loves black culture like that's like the whole running joke of the show and it's the same network so now I'm kind of questioning blackish now man because they are they are pretty popular like all of them I mean they've been out like Anthony Anderson isn't new. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross isn't new Like they've been around They've been doing dope shit But like now they're bigger than ever Like that whole network is like Even um Sophia Regard and Modern Family Like cr- insanely popular now And like all of those shows are like And kind of feeding off Of a particular culture And not I don't know man, it, it kind of makes me uncomfortable You know like it's it's hard to describe like it's good that it's black people and asians and latinas that are really popular and getting money but it's like at what expense is that like is it worth doing that mm. like and it, it just was kind of exploiting a little bit especially mm. like they got three mm-hmm. damn spinoffs of blackish like they got the what is it uh Grownish, I love it. And, uh, and mixed mixedish. Dish. Like at this point it's like what are we what are we doing? Like, I don't know. It's, but
1: I, I was told that black is got better. Like I heard that a lot of people kind of had like some issue with the first season and, and it got better and blacker and you know, kind of served its purpose as the seasons went on. So I said I wanted to sit through the first season and kind of get through it and <laughs> What the rest was about so i would kind of like keep it from time to time to like see what was going on in it because i know there was like a really good um one that was about uh, slavery i guess um but yeah so I, I said i wanted to go back and like rewatch it in the different ways and and you know my politics has kind of like changed over time so i was just like you know maybe you know with a softer and more gentler um <laughs>
2: approach. I will appreciate it, you know, differently than I did in the past. So we'll see. I see the pizza. You know, I got the Jones for my own. Rashita. can you put me on with the Nagarita? She stay on my dome. She gone. So I know she gon' full on me. up to a high esteem. Baby girl, you're looking like a goddess. Don't be so mad While I have you here with me, I just want to do things that you can't believe. I'll pick you uh, up, pick you up uh, and put you in your throne. Cause you were made to rain, girl. The sunshine in my world. I do it all cause she my queen.
0: Like the whole country is watching roots at the same time you know like those days are over with and i feel like that was important and that was super dope and it was relevant and everybody felt that but now it's like very hard for everybody to feel any one thing like it's so much divisive now it's crazy yeah I agree. Um, yeah, man, these days we live in, man. Like I really, I just like, that's why I'm, I'm really thankful that we have our options to choose what we wanna watch. Cause like, I don't have to watch the news if I don't want to. And like, I can watch more stimulating mm-hmm. things and not have my brain melt. I was just talking to, uh, the last show I recorded actually was with another friend of mine and he was saying um that he's been watching uh the hills at 90 day fiance a lot and like he mm-hmm. he's like just coming in from China too he's about to go back later next month but and he's and he's just mm-hmm. telling me all these crazy scenarios because like he's watching it with his grandma and I'm like man <laughs> I hope you're still reading books, man, because like your brain is gonna melt with you just watching 90 Day Fiance because I'm pretty I sure it was pretty interesting
1: though.
0: <laughs> it just sounds dumb. Like I, I told him I was gonna check it out, but like he told me he was telling me like like uh, they match up people and a lot of times they're from different countries. So he was like it was like a redneck white woman matched up with a Nigerian man and she went to Nigeria trying to get him to come to America and I'm like this sounds like nonsense like this just sounds like a bad idea and you're watching it, yeah, it is. so protect yourself like protect your <laughs> mental yeah most definitely so yeah I can
1: appreciate the streaming uh, not only is cable like super expensive but um you know streaming does allow us to have uh the autonomy when it comes to the things that we want to um expose ourselves to uh, so a lot of my shows are you know black shows uh, I was just trying to look up last night if there was a streaming um a streaming site or app that you know had Martin on there because I really wanted to you know re-watch all of the Martin episodes so if you do know something like that please let us know um yeah like right now it's yeah, just the uh
0: what is it? I was just gonna say like right now you just gotta catch it on like MTV2 or something like. The, I, mm. That's the only place I've seen it. Like I had I downloaded them myself. Like I got the first three seasons because it's like I I gotta have Martin like <laughs> like as a standard. Oh, yeah. And like people don't really do DVDs anymore like. Mm-mm. So yeah, you gotta you gotta find the gems, man. I had to download Martin and Good Times, cause I'm like, cause I was going to China, so I'm like, I I need to have these as a basis. Like if I don't have internet or wherever I'm at, I'm always gonna have access to Good Times and Martin. Mm hmm. I can see that. Man, Martin is so relevant, man. Like it was so funny and just so different. Like I really wish there was a show like that now because I can't think of a show representative of like well I I, again don't watch a lot of TV but like a positive outlook of being a young black adult like is there a show like that? Hmm what
1: do you mean a positive outlook?
0: Like I guess a comedy not something super dramatic and not something about family but just about young adults kind of like a black friends like cause that's kind of like what Martin was too like a group of friends black friends like are there any mm-hmm. black friends shows out I would say Insecure mm. um, is about
1: like a group of black women um, definitely some funny moments and things like that um yeah I don't know Yeah, outside of Insecure, which is considered
0: like a comedy and things like that. I
1: don't know. Yeah.
0: And that's on HBO. Yeah, and it's definitely like not on any of the main networks. Uh, Mm -mm. They're so white now, like it's crazy. And then they're either white or uh, quote unquote diverse. So it's like (laughs) that just means like featuring one or two occasional black people or they have a Latina like modern family Um, and like and I keep talking about modern family like from what I've seen like I haven't seen an episode that I didn't like I'm not an active watcher of it but it is just of note to see that like Sofia Regar has been out since the 90s and like she's like the highest paid TV actress right now because of this show on ABC that Kind of makes fun of her being Latina. Um, may, maybe it's just me that sees that. I don't know if uh, our Latin brothers and sisters. I don't know how they feel about her doing that, or if they even care. Like they got their own network, man. That that's consistent. I wish we had that. Like we don't Ooh. even have our. I, the only networks, black networks that I trust a little bit is uh, TV One.
1: For Mm -hmm. for some reason, I trust them. I need to check to see if they have an app. They have a smart TV, so I need to
0: see if they have an app. Yeah, I I I trust them, man. They've been doing a lot of good work. And, like, they actually show love to, like, all those slept-on actors, black actors from the 90s and stuff. Like, they give them shows. They put them in movies. Like, they show all the good reruns of, like, You know, I I trust TV1, I like them, but BET, I've been over them for over a decade. BET used to be so dope, man, like, I think everyone who was a part of that era- I've heard that
1: they're trying to get back
0: there. It's impossible. It's impossible, man, like, for the people that were around that know, and the people that don't, like, it's like, they'll never know. Like, they had, I forget the mm. name of that show with the uh, the computer animated woman. It was like a video hosted oh, show. Peter. That was dope as hell. Like, <laughs> they're not doing that again. <laughs> and like, kids wouldn't even know what to think about it, even if they did. Like, that time is just over with, I think. Like,
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: that that was something like, BET in the 2000s, they were lit, I'll say that. They were kind of sell out, but they also, they had a lot of gems on there. Like, stuff that won't happen again. Like, there'll never be another BET Uncut. Like, kids wouldn't even know what that is if you told them. And they wouldn't believe you if you did. Like, but that was a thing. Like, that was a part of the culture. Like, your boy Nelly, like, that was another classic moment of his on BET uncut. And I just don't see that happening again, no matter how dope they want to be. They're they're white-owned, man. Like it's a wrap. I hate BET. Never like them. But um we coming up on the hour, man. I forget how how long I told you to put aside. Yeah, you got about an hour. Okay, man. Well, what better way to end it than than saying fuck BET? No, I'm joking. Um, but it's definitely been a pleasure, man. It's definitely been a pleasure. I'm glad you had the time. Yeah, thank you for having me and
1: thinking so much of me to um, want me on your show. And I look forward to working with you again. 100%. This is fun. I, I definitely. I feel like I got over some of my nerves. There were moments and times where I had to like
0: check my anxiety, but otherwise, this is a fun experience, and uh, you definitely made it easy. Awesome, awesome. And um, and if you want to plug anything or shout out anything, you can go ahead and do that now.
1: Um, so on Instagram, I am at stlqueening and that's. S T L Q U E E N I N and um, I also blog and the name of that blog is Black Girl Lessons and it's Black Girl Lessons blog on Instagram and
0: that's it okay well we definitely appreciate you at Floss Dog Radio Um, and yeah we look forward to, to talking again man because uh, I feel like we still just scratched the surface of so many things.
1: I agree. I feel like we talked about a lot of things in that hour, it went by
0: fast. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Shout out to everybody who's listening, and um, we are out. All right. Thank you.